May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As I read this week's readings uh, in preparation to preach, uh, two things struck me. The first is that all three of the readings we shared in this morning, the reading from Isaiah, the psalm, and the gospel, all express powerful emotions. We have Isaiah's love for God as he begins today's portion that says, Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. And we also know that God loved the vineyard or the vine, both of these being metaphors for the people of Israel. So we've got Isaiah's love for God and God's love for the vine. And then in the gospel reading, the fiery love that Jesus has for us, his body, a white-hot longing for that love to burn away all that is not love from, from within us, the church. So, the first thing that struck me was this powerful emotion. The second thing that struck me was this family that Jesus says he comes to bring division amongst. And we know that as Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, Do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three, father against son, mother against daughter, etc., When he was speaking to them, he was speaking into a situation where family was everything. And so he was speaking, if you like, to one of the gods of the people of his time, for whom family had to come first. And he is saying, yes, family is important, but actually the realm of God needs to come first. The way of God, what God calls you to, and if that goes, comes into conflict with, those things that you think need to be sustained for your family. If your ability to hold up this God of family is challenged by the kingdom of God, then you need to choose the kingdom. And so this idea of family being challenged made me think about our family, the Anglican Communion, and the way in which we have been experiencing a sense of that being challenged in the last few weeks. And you know that uh, we indeed ourselves felt the need to respond to something that came out of the Lambeth Conference. Lambeth Conference, for those of you who don't know, is that gathering of the bishops from around the world from the Anglican Communion. We are a communion. We are a whole lot of uh, autonomous provinces around the world. And one of the Instruments of communion that we have is the gathering of those bishops. It it began a tradition of being once every 10 years, but actually that hasn't happened since 2008, so because of COVID. So that's been a bigger gap. And uh, in preparation for the Lambeth Conference this year, a series of calls, 10 calls, were put together by a whole lot of different groups of people and sent out to those bishops who were coming to the conference either in person or on Zoom, 
to reflect on in order to then be able to have some conversations about the content of those calls. And in one of those calls was a refer reference back to the 1998 Lambeth Conference where there was a statement made that around uh, how it is for um, queer people and their belonging in the church, particularly that marriage can only be between a man and a woman. And at the time, that created a lot of fuss, 1998, but that was decided upon. But things have shifted and changed in the last 24 years. And so when that ended, arrived in that uh, document of that call, which ironically was called the call to human dignity, when it was reiterated as the way it is, a lot of people responded. Because for those of us who are queer, it felt like we were being sent back in time and re, um, reactivating all of the struggle that there has been to find a place of belonging in the church. And so as I thought about, and, and then there's been lots of toing and froing between those parts of the church which are pretty conservative and who see that that is perfectly fine and those parts of the church which say to exclude people on account of their sexuality is against the gospel call to love, against the gospel call to justice. And so I've been thinking about this family of ours which is the Anglican Communion, how we are glad to be part of a communion which supposedly has a huge range of theologies. It's been one of the gifts of the Anglican communion through the centuries that we can belong within a group of people who see things differently from each other. And yet here was this idea that unity had to be held by saying there is one way to see things, in a way mistaking unity for uniformity. If we are all to belong, there can't be uniformity because we are all so different from one another. And there are so many ways in which people are different. And gender and sexuality is one of the ways in which we differ from one another. There are other ways, our different abilities. And sometimes it's hard for a small community to cope with lots of difference because people want life to be easy. Can't it just be like this? But what about the people who fall outside of this? And what can then happen is that the people who fall outside these particular boundaries become the other, someone who is different from me, someone who I don't want to engage with because I don't understand their world and their identity. Today's sermon in some ways uh, comes a little bit like Sesame Street used to. You know, Sesame Street is brought to you by the letter C and the number nine. Uh, today, today's sermon is brought to you by uh, Facebook and the friends that I have on Facebook who have shared various quotes during the week. The first one I want to use is the one from Pope Francis. He wrote this in 2016. The door of God's mercy is narrow, but it is always open to everyone. A narrow door to restrain our pride and our fear. 
a door open wide because God welcomes us without distinction. So we have this paradox of a narrow door that's hard to get through and yet everyone is welcome to come through it. This teaching of Jesus, this teaching that he has come to bring a kind of division is hard to hold at the same time as holding a sense of God loving and welcoming everyone. And yet surely this is the kind of division that Jesus speaks about. A place where we can't have peace at all costs. The kind of unity that we seek is that of unity with God and with what God is doing in the world and a sense of solidarity with those travelling that path. But that doesn't mean that they will see things the same way that we do. It doesn't mean that I will see things the same way that you do. We don't have to be uniform in our understandings. In fact, it's fantastic if we're not. Because if we differ from one another, there are things that we can learn from each other. And if indeed we feel, well, we're people who, for whom social justice is important, and those people who don't seem to care about social justice over there, they have nothing to offer us. We might miss the gift of the Spirit that they are holding, that we have forgotten about. So we need one another in our difference. It's important that we do not other people and say, they're no good. And that's a challenge. It can be painful. It can mean we need to step into spaces where we suffer hurt and harm. And yet that's what Jesus says. I came to bring fire to the earth. I have come with a baptism with which to be baptized. And we know that baptism is about death and resurrection. And we are not just baptized at the beginning of our journey, but we enter into this baptism time and time again throughout our journey. We have to be willing, like Christ, to die, to suffer, and to be raised. Like the clown who falls over and gets back up again, and falls over and gets back up again, who's sometimes used as an image of Christ. The clown has no status. He's the in-between act. But he gives us space between what happens. And he's really important for holding things together. And the clown brings hope because he falls and yet he gets up again. And he's laughed at, but he's an important piece of the puzzle. And so we too are called to be clowns of God, to fall down but get up again, to be willing to be humble and suffer and not be seen as important, but to bring joy in what we do. So in this gospel reading, Jesus says, put aside those things which have become more important than God. Even family, even family. Do not be so 
caught up with having to hold that family together or keep face and keep a sense of face. Be ready to even lose face with others if you are upholding those things which are God's things. One of the bishops who was at Lambeth, Andrew Rumsey, who comes from the Diocese of Salisbury, said this, I'm reminded how early in the conference we were commended to reflect on a Zulu greeting, which means literally, I see you, I recognise you, you are known and valuable. If the hope of heaven is that we shall know fully, even as we are fully known, what would it mean for our dear sisters and brothers truly and gladly to be beheld, not merely in part, but in their love? That is what will remain of us after all. This is a portion of his letter that he wrote after um, leaving Lambeth. And he is referring to sisters and brothers of the queer community what would it mean for our dear sisters and brothers truly and gladly to be beheld not merely in part but in their love? For those of us who would wish to marry someone of the same gender as us, what would it mean for us to be beheld in that love? It is a wonderful thing to imagine that it could happen. And for some it has, but we live in hope that for all it may. Mark Harris, an Episcopal priest, wrote, I'm for the Anglican communion that is incarnational, that lives as a provisional conciliar body and as a fellowship and not a power, is concerned for mutuality and is willing to die to itself and united in prayer and action for the health of the world. Richard Raw writes, when Christianity is in any way anti-body, it is not authentic Christianity. The incarnation tells us that body and spirit must fully operate and be respected as one. And Bill Loder writes, we celebrate a vision of justice and peace for all. And we do that in the Feast of the Eucharist. The radical inclusiveness of this meal and this vision is a communion of sacrifice in which we nourish one another from a broken and poured out life. And so our challenge as a, a congregation here in Te Aro, as an Anglican church around the world, our challenge is to consider what we are being asked to sacrifice. We need to read the sign of the times to recognize what is going on in our world. And sometimes that means facing into a storm. Sometimes the storm itself is what we need to, rec we need to recognize in the storm itself what needs to be faced. Just as at the moment we need to recognize that the huge changes in our weather systems remind us of the need to address climate change. We are called to live a prophetic life, to recognize in the world around us those things that God is calling us 
to confront and to work to bring to reconciliation. And reconciliation doesn't mean coming to a place of seeing things in the same way. It means having relationship, being in a relationship of love and respect, that saubona, that being recognised as known and valuable. So what are the gods that we need to address in our society, in our families, in our congregation? In what ways might we be operating that get in the way of God's love? And how can we support one another as each of us faces into the sacrifice that we need to make in order to stay in relationship, in order to hear those things that the Spirit is whispering to us from the places we least expect it and from the people we find it hardest to love. I repeat again Mark Harris's words, I'm for an Anglican communion that is incarnational, that is concerned with mutuality and willing to die to itself and to be united in prayer and action for the health of the world. Carl Jung says this, If our religion is based on salvation, our chief emotions will be fear and trembling. If our religion is based on wonder, our chief emotion will be gratitude. Now that's a challenging thing to hear, because aren't we about salvation? Yet if we are most concerned with being saved and rescued, that kind of edge of salvation, our chief emotions will be fear and trembling. We will be worried about whether we belong and whether we fit. We will be worried about whether we will be safe. We will be worried about whether we are mixing with the wrong people or not. But if our religion is based on wonder, on seeing the presence of God in every person, even the ones whom we struggle with, even the ones whose behavior hurts us, if we are able to see the wonder and delight that God has in the person that is before us. We may be able to be open to what the Spirit is whispering to us through them. And then our chief emotion will be gratitude. So as we come to the table today to celebrate that we are part of the body of Christ, broken for us that we might be fed, Christ's lifeblood poured out, that we might be forgiven. Let us celebrate a vision of justice and peace, a, a vision of inclusiveness and communion, a sacred community in which all belong and in which all can be fed. It will not be easy, but if we support one another and we remain committed to this first of all, 
God's way of justice and love, then we may begin to see God's kingdom here, where we are. So I invite you to pray with me again the collect from the service sheet. God of fire and water, your searing justice has set alight the earth. May we share Christ's baptism even when it leads to pain and division. Through Jesus Christ, our liberator, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.